calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hi, I'm Alexis Ohanian. You may know me as one of the co-founders of Reddit, but more recently, a large part of my identity is being a father to my wonderful daughters. In my podcast, Business Dad, I hope to open the conversation about working parents a bit. You'll get to hear from a wide range of business dads, from Rain Wilson and Guy Raz to Todd Carmichael and Shane Battier, to find out how they balance being a dad with a successful career. Business Dad is available now, so be sure to listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Here's a quick question for you. How did you sleep last night? If your battle for a good night's sleep feels relentless, I have the answer. It's a podcast called Sleep Wave with meditations and hypnosis created to help you fall asleep. My relaxation techniques will help you feel calm and ready for sleep with soft music that will help you fall asleep in minutes. Most listeners never hear the end of an episode. So search Sleep Wave on your favorite podcast app and find out why over a million people have fallen asleep to my voice. I tried to explain what polyamory was to my mom back in like February and she told me she wished I'd never moved to New York. (laughs) 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 Which is just so deeply funny. Yeah. Um, She's like, you're gay and I'm fine with it. Like I have to learn another thing. I'm diking out, you're diking out. Let's dike out together. See what it's all about. Diking out, diking out, diking out, diking out. Hi, and welcome to Diking Out, a podcast that has tested positive for Schadenfreude. I'm Carolyn Bergier. And I'm Melody Kamali. And today we are diking out with comedian Samantha Ruddy about the super queer experience of dating your ex. If you're dating your ex, I hope you listen to this together. I don't know. (laughs) Try it. (laughs) Might be good for you. Uh... Couple of announcements are You Halloween Show. Ooh, spooky is happening Monday, October 19th at 9 p.m. Check on our social media on Instagram and Facebook for a link to the tickets for that. It will have a Halloween theme and we'll be posting the complete lineup. Uh, soon, but we can tell you a couple people who are going to be on the show. Past guests, Ashley Ray and Tian Tran. Uh, costumes encouraged, darling. 
one of our listeners who came out to the Halloween show at Stonewall last year said they are still scarred by that experience because only a total of four people wore costumes to that show when I said (laughs) costumes are encouraged. But, you know, you're going to be at home and it's going to be fun. You don't have to put a ton of effort into it. It's very easy to have just a very low effort Mm -hmm. lesbian Halloween costume. Just with a top half to worry about. Yes, exactly. Just the top half. Um, You know, cover your face in saran wrap. You can be a dental dam. Like, uh, so many... Or saran wrap's not the right material. You should get um get a swim cap and put it on your head, and then you could just be a dental yeah. dam. That's more <laughs> the appropriate. Okay, um, <laughs> Carolyn, stop giving away your best ideas. Carolyn, I want to know when you thought of that and how long you were sitting on. <laughs> uh, not long, if you could tell by my indecision on uh, what material to use. Anyway, and just a reminder, you can. Support the podcast by becoming a patron on our Patreon. We have ad-free episodes. We have a very fun Facebook group where we share all of our secrets. And uh, you can learn more about that, patreon.com slash out. It's all about creating a community of our U-Haulers on there. And we love it so much and appreciate everybody who helps support the podcast. Also, reminder, rate us on Apple Podcasts. And shout out to the people who left us five-star reviews with constructive feedback in it. I will listen to constructive feedback. Did you look at in a five-star review? Reviews? <laughs> I actually I thought you don't looked do at the that. reviews. <laughs> I don't. I don't. But I was looking at it because we're re-recording our first episode and we want to put some of the reviews in there. So I'm like, all right, I'm going and I'm going to read more reviews than just the ones that Melody screenshots for me to get my blood yeah. boiling. You only see the bad. I only send you the bad. <laughs> <laughs> this whole time, Carolyn thought it was a lot you. worse over there than it is. Yeah, instead, people are complimenting how much I talk about Madonna. <laughs> no wonder No wonder Melody's like, yeah, good choice. Don't read the reviews. Yeah. She just doesn't want me to be encouraged. <laughs> By our U-Haulers that support me in my non-traditional lesbian preferences. I don't know. (laughs) My my bad taste in idols. (laughs) Do you say dad taste or bad taste? Bad. Bad taste. (laughs) Dad taste is a bad taste. Speaking of Patreon, we had our first ever patrons only brunch hang. So much fun. So much fun. I learned you could I've learned how to finally change my background on my Zoom to whatever yes. green screen I wanted. So it really was a fun conversation in which the whole time Carolyn were changing our backgrounds to embarrassing pictures of each other and each yep. other's partners <laughs> from Google Image Search. <laughs> and then the occasional cubby hole. Yeah. <laughs> or stone wall. I was looking forward to this virtual hang and it exceeded all my expectations. I had so much fun. I lost track of time. Everyone in it was so much fun to talk to and to hear everyone's uh, stories and their thoughts on Ratchet and uh, their experiences doing mushrooms and uh, just just a little bit of everything. What reality TV we all loved. Yes, yes. It was such a great time and 
uh, I can't wait to do it again. We're going to do it again in November. So if you sign up uh, as a patron before November, then you can join our November hang. Maybe we'll have like a Thanksgiving theme or depending on how the election goes, we'll have a celebration or like a Heaven's Gate style, uh, just right out on the next comet together. TBD. (laughs) We'll see. Oh, boy. Melody, you ended up watching the debate, even though I tried to talk you out of Mm -hmm, it. mm -hmm. The day of, we decided it would be self-care to not watch it. And I stuck to that up until half an hour into it or 20 minutes into it. And then the FOMO took over me and we put it on. I did set up a Zoom call with a friend and I thought, okay, if I... I'm talking to this friend and catching up, then I won't be tempted to watch the debate. But then as soon as the Zoom call ended, the debate was still happening and I could hear Cecilia watching it in the other room. So I had to go and take a peek. And it was exactly what I thought it was going to be. Just the unpleasant cacophony of three old white men talking at the same time. That was, I mean, we just had our mouths agape. Um, <laughs> watching like it was pure chaos like we haven't seen I don't think yeah <laughs> worse than any Real Housewives reunion except I don't know if Andy Cohen probably could have moderated that because he does eventually get those divas to just shut up sometimes yeah. <laughs> yeah I was just getting messages from people who assumed I was watching at different points and it was like he literally avoided disavowing white supremacy. And I would just get these messages from people. I'm like, well, yeah, that adds up. I can see that happening. And yeah, uh, yeah. Terrible. But like, I wasn't surprised. I It's crazy how numb I've gotten yeah. over the last four years. But then the contrast to that is that the, I think the same night, maybe New Zealand had a presidential debate for for their election or for their prime minister position and it was two women yeah and it sounded delightful (laughs) i read the recap and i'm like oh my gosh get me a one-way ticket because (laughs) they actually talked about issues they complimented each other they were able to both be humans and only attack uh positions instead of i don't know people's uh dead sons or sons struggling with drug addiction that part wow just anybody who could watch them be like yeah i want four more years of this guy (laughs) please yeah please i'd understand if it was anybody else they could have put forward anybody else to champion those conservative issues that uh, they're so hell-bent on remaining in power at all costs and at all costs to decency and anything that's normal. But yeah, it is the first time there was a unanimous kind of like distancing of Republicans from his statement like throughout the party a lot of people the next day except a lot of them were saying that he was that he misspoke on not oh it did towards the, the end layup. of the next day warp into this yeah and he was confused <laughs> yeah. and meant to say stand down 
the way that he danced around that question of, will you do this? Sure. Okay, then do it. What do you want me to do? Well, okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's not that hard, man. So, the yeah, the bar is low. Now he has coronavirus and... Yeah, the news broke at midnight last night. This is why I'm very sleep deprived on this recording day, dear listeners. Um, <laughs> when I found out, I my heart was w- racing. I woke Allie up. We kissed. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> can I say that? <laughs> you can say it. It's recorded. I'm sending it to the Secret <laughs> Service as proof that queer women are dangerous. It wasn't celebratory. I don't know. I just could not get off the internet. And so I was awake for the post, not necessarily celebrating his poor health, but like celebrating the irony. And then I was awake long enough into the morning where it turned into conspiracy (laughs) theories. (laughs) And so then I was like, I should probably go to sleep now and read more of these the next day. And now my feed is mostly conspiracy theories. My first thought when I read it was that if he goes through this and suffers less than I did when I had COVID, it's going to make me feel a lot more comfortable in my atheism. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. I'll be like, okay, cool. Yeah, definitely no God, no reason, no uh, sense of order in this world. It's just all random and sometimes it sucks. <laughs> wow, Carolyn. What? Is that so horrible <laughs> of wanting to have it a little bit worse than I did. He needs all the symptoms fast and hard, but we don't want him to die. We want him. We want justice. I want him to pull through this. I hope he eventually recovers so that he is in fighting form to go to prison. I just hope (laughs) that for him. I hope he's fully alert and lucid when uh, he learns that he lost the election by a landslide in November, which is why everybody who listens to this, I hope you are voting for Joe Biden. And if you live in a swing state or a possible swing state, make a date of it with everyone you know. (laughs) I signed up to work the polls. Look at this little American hero. (laughs) Who doesn't even have to be here. You can be in France or Canada. I could. I could be in a different country, but I'm going to work the polls. Uh, And it's not too late to sign up for the polls, especially if you're in good health and you're not high risk for COVID. It's a great thing to do because usually it's a lot of older people who don't want to be working the polls this time around. So uh, I can't wait to hear about the polls. And I am very proud of you for doing it. Though I will say the older ladies are some of my favorite parts of voting, (laughs) interacting with the older poll workers. So truly just another thing this year has yanked from me. Um, Great. Now I feel like I'm just going to be a disappointment sitting there (laughs) at my polling site and everybody's going to come and be like, you look too young to be here with your pink tips. Just... Just bring Werther's. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I'll have a candy dish and uh, some juicy fruit in my back pocket. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, we'll see. We'll see. I also saw that Jillian Anderson is playing Margaret Thatcher in The Crown, and they released a photo of her in her Margaret Thatcher getup, and uh, yeah, I mean, still the- does it for me. Let me tell you, if <laughs> if you think dressing up Jillian Anderson like Margaret Thatcher makes her look any less sexy, it doesn't. Some might disagree. Oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> Now I'm just laughing at old classic Carolyn. You're looking at the picture right now? Yeah. (laughs) And I'm thinking, yep, that's her taste. (laughs) I can see past the politics of Margaret Thatcher for Jillian Anderson. Yes. Every week the news is crazy, saw something about... Our hometown, New York City, Rick Moranis. This isn't queer news, but hey, we all feel it. Sometimes there's a headline that gets all of us, no matter what sexuality you are. And it was this touched everyone's hearts today. Yeah, Rick Moranis was sucker punched on the Upper West Side. It was caught on a security camera, which I don't know. There's got to be a big opportunity for some company to make security cameras that actually capture clear footage and not Nintendo quality (laughs) 8-bit I didn't even see it. You did Because it happened so fast. No, I've watched, I had to watch the video six times to realize when and when it happens and where in the frame. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But it finally made sense and I saw it. American sweetheart, though Canadian. Yeah. Rick Moranis was punched in the face, just clocked, pushed to the ground by a man in an I Heart New York hoodie. That was <laughs> just like that was the cherry on it was him walking. Like we away. didn't need this <laughs> New York PR right now. Right. <laughs> Especially after that video narrated by Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> and then it's like this yeah. guy in a I Love New York shirt, uh just clocking. Rick Moranis, and he says he's doing fine, so that's good to know. You know, we talk a little bit about some of the changes in New York, and I don't want to feed into this Fox News narrative, because a lot of people who don't live in New York honestly think that we are living in anarchy right now, that uh, Antifa is strolling the streets, just smashing every window and lighting everything on fire. Uh Literally saw somebody tweet that Antifa is burning down New York City. And I'm like, I, I've i never seen an Antifa. Don't, don't know who she is. <laughs> yeah, I don't know her. She doesn't um. even go here. <laughs> That's Portland. Uh, no. And I don't, I don't want to contribute to this narrative that like things have really gone to shit. Uh, but you know, when Rick Moranis is getting sucker punched and I was dropping off my rent check the other day and this guy, uh, just had his dick out, just facing the street, real casual, just standing there when like, he wasn't even jerking off. I'm like, what are you doing? But that feels like classic New York. (laughs) 
It does feel like classic, <laughs> but actually, not so much in your in your neighborhood. Not in my neighborhood, and that yeah. that I think has been the difference. You know, I picked my neighborhood based on uh, like looking for the least amount of uh, exposed man peens. Yeah, and yeah, now no nowhere is safe from men exposing themselves. I mentioned it uh, in the context of being excited about moving to my therapist and she was like this is happening more often I'm hearing a lot more of these stories and I've also experienced it a lot more recently what is going on so you're saying there's a spike there's a spike an exposed uh man pardoned upon yeah Yeah. huh at least he was wearing a mask just kidding (laughs) <laughs> no, he wasn't. No. He definitely wasn't. <laughs> you know he wasn't. Here's a rule. You can have your pee now if there's a mask around it. <laughs> I would actually find that funny. I know. Just a little. And the guy had a, a mask on his face and on his dick that's like out, but you can't really see that it's out because the mask is on yeah. it. I think the naked cowboy should come and do that in Times Square. And then it's yeah. like, New York is back. Yes. <laughs> and we're yeah. we're figuring out our new reality. <laughs> Adapting. Yeah, yeah. And then make some extra large masks for uh, Times Square Elmo. <laughs> and yeah. Mickey. And then we're all set. Then it's back to normal. <laughs> It's not Elmo's mouth that's the problem. That is actually a sexual predator, and we got to put handcuffs on the Times Square Elmo. Oh, God. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Some things I don't miss. So if you're not leaving your house and seeing exposed man-peens, Melody, what's the gayest thing you did this week? The gayest thing I did this week was trim my fingernails. Huh? Hey! <laughs> oh, we should put this on Instagram. Just show everybody the proof. I I also trimmed my fingernails. Hey! Hey! We'll count it. Uh, that is gay culture. It is. It's important to and, do. And it's, and it's not the only way to wear your nails. I know there are lots of lovely femmes out there with long painted nails. You go off queens, but... At least for me and my sex life purposes, you got to keep them trim. And that's how little I'm actually doing these days that I present to you my answer. I cut my nails. (laughs) I don't do anything. (laughs) I mean, please top that. (laughs) What's the gayest thing you did this last week? Uh, Other than, I mean... I guess we can't say our Patreon brunch because we both did that, but that was mm-hmm. a very gay and very gay and the most social thing I've done yes. in a long time. Yeah, I think we all realized in that how much we uh, are craving social interaction. That even as somewhat strangers, we're just like, I've missed you. <laughs> Seriously, we came with that energy. Yeah. It was so easy. We were just so excited to see faces and talk. I know. Like, we launched we right into it. <laughs> oh, man. Now, the gayest thing I did was that I was helping out 
our past Diking Out intern, Karina, with her college thesis that she is writing about queer representation on TV. I'm not going to spoil the the thesis or the topic, but we got to talk. I hate it when people spoil <laughs> theses, so please don't. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, you're going to have to wait till it gets published, okay? Yeah. And All don't right. hit me up in the DMs asking, like, can you just tell me I won't tell anyone? No. Yeah. No, it's between Karina, me, and the 30 other queers that she is interviewing okay. for this paper, okay? So wait for that and wait for the footnotes Respect and shut up. Respect our privacy. It. So I got to dike out about queer TV uh, with Karina for a good 45 minutes. And then my head was still buzzing with thoughts and opinions afterwards that I had to follow up with several emails. Oh, my God. I feel like, do you love, do you miss college? I feel like (laughs) (laughs) you're the type (laughs) to really miss all that. I wish that I... So I graduated in uh, three years oh, because yeah. I, well, I had the credit. Hey, I graduated in five. <laughs> uh, I had the credits and I didn't want to take out any more loans. So I graduated in three and I uh, sometimes wish that I had that fourth year just to take <clears throat> gender studies courses. And yeah. Would have loved that. Would have loved, right? I took one gender, race, and sexuality, I think, in media course. And same. It was media exclusive. Yeah. And I was so into it. Like, I was so on top of all my assignments. I had never been so excited about writing a final paper. Really just dove into it. And my roommate, just heard me talking nonstop about how much I love this class. So she took it the next semester and then she dropped it after like two classes. (laughs) She's like, this class is really annoying. (laughs) It's just talking about how sad things are for women and how bad we have it. And I don't feel that way. And I'm like, okay, (laughs) that's because you don't have the fire of feminism in you. (laughs) Yeah. Not yet, at least. Maybe didn't hit her yet. Yeah, yeah. Just you wait. (laughs) No, Melody, I won't keep talking about Karina's thesis, okay? Just drop it. (laughs) I'm not going to give you any more details. I know that look in your eye. I think we should just get to our interview. Um, (laughs) Let's get into it. We are diking out with comedian Samantha Ruddy about dating your ex. Samantha is a digital producer and warm-up comic at Full Frontal with Samantha B. And you might also have seen her doing comedy on Late Night with Stephen Colbert. We are happy to have her on one of our past Stonewall shows. It was so funny. Melody, was it the one that you were on? Yeah, that was the same one. Yeah. She murdered. Yeah, that was a very good show. Yeah, loved her joke about Wendy's. I think about it all the time. There's a Wendy's down the street from where I live, and every time I see it, I think about Samantha Ruddy, which I'm sure she appreciates. That's uh, the mark of a good comic. Yeah. <laughs> We're so happy to get to catch up with her. Let's get into it. 
Samantha Ruddy, how are you doing? How's it going? All right. You know, things are bad. Yeah. yeah. But like, <laughs> you're, you're in, in Alabama. Alabama. Yeah. I am. I am. I'm in um I'm in northwest Alabama near like Muscle Shoals. Oh, cool. I don't know if that means anything. Can't say I'm familiar. <laughs> it probably means something to our listeners in Alabama. I'm sure it does. It's a it's a cool area. Um but uh it's not home, you know. Yeah. So how long have you been down there? Uh we've been down here about a month and a half oh, okay. so far. Okay. Yeah, so it's relatively recent. Um my partner's yeah. father got diagnosed with cancer. Um, and so, oh gosh, I'm so sorry. I know. It's just, it's a, just a nightmare. And we wanted to be with him and with the pandemic, you just, you really can't fly back mm-hmm. and forth. And yeah. since my work had gone remote anyway, we were like, let's just go. Well, that's lucky. So you're a digital producer at Full Frontal with Samantha B. Yes. And the warm-up comic, but I'm guessing that that part Can't has gone away from <laughs> Or do you, do you just, like, warm up the rest of the staff? You're, like, just psyching <laughs> everybody up. Oh, that's so funny. Uh, no, so I actually, my my coworker, Mahanid Alshiki, and I actually uh, switch on and off doing warm-up for our YouTube live audiences. Just digitally. Oh, okay. Just as like a bit. That's like, fun. It's not a real thing. It's not anything close to what actually warming up a crowd is, but it's sort of like sure. scratches the itch, Yeah. So are you like monitoring the comments as part of yes. your crowd work? <laughs> Just like reading yes. now. <laughs> um, yeah, I miss doing warm up so much. God, I miss that t-shirt gun. I was going to say, you have a bit about yes. that, right? I do have a t-shirt gun bit. Yeah. They're the best. I've been in the audience of Full Frontal for Samantha B, and it was so much fun. And my favorite thing was just walking onto the set and noticing how many women work on the set, which is something of like all the live tapings before I've never felt that presence. And it's like, oh, all the people with like headphones on and walkie talkies, like all women. (laughs) It is wild. It was such a culture shock when I started working there. Because most of my jobs, I'd had a couple jobs here and there in entertainment. Um, I had like an internship at College Humor. I had a stint in reality TV. But um, I worked in tech before I got into comedy. Um, Yeah. I was like a low-level developer. uh, And I just had never been in a work environment that was not only like 50-50 women, but like overwhelmingly women. Yeah. The dream. It's wild. Oh, man. So working at Full Frontal right now, were you like very political? I I never thought of you as being like a political person or political comedian before going into it. Has it made you more so? Yes. Yeah. Um, You can't not. You can't not. You're doing the work every day and you're seeing all these terrible injustices and you cannot look away. I mean, my job is to not look away. And so I cannot just ignore it and think about chicken nuggets all the time anymore. Right. Uh, which was usually in my head was just like, <laughs> da, 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 video games, da, 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 skateboarding videos, <laughs> like just yeah. garbage. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, I'm doing a lot of tweeting in Sam's voice and posting yeah. in Sam's voice. So even before stand up comedy died, RIP, uh, mm-hmm. my stand up still wasn't particularly political because like I was writing political jokes all day at work. So like, right. Even right. though I have become more, um, more 
inclined to activism and more politically aware, like it wasn't really seeping into my comedy. If anything, it was making my comedy like even more just like, let's talk about yo-yos. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> and chicken nuggets. Yeah. I mean, just existing kind of, I am inherently political, at least when I started stand up in like 2013, that's what it felt like. Yeah. I started sure. in upstate New York. I was a lesbian. I was like, just me existing is kind of political. And I think I, I got, I was pretty political at that point in my life too. But I think that the inherent disadvantage starting out in a rural market, like as someone who's already other. You know, I know people who work at Full Frontal or who have worked there in the past and it just, like right now it just feels like such an intense job to have and I've always been like very into politics uh but I know that the reality of working that job or working like John Oliver and um those other jobs you you have to watch Fox News like you have to watch um Mm -hmm. Trump speak you know you have to listen to Ted Cruz like that's a lot. <laughs> That's a lot to ask. It's one thing to like take in the political content that you'd like to take in. And it's another thing to have to like suffer through this like bizarro <laughs> lens of um, just like cheerleading fascism. I don't know. <laughs> it's yeah. It's, I mean, sometimes like it is just too much. Um, like, I have a hard time putting my phone down at night. Yeah. I mean, I know we all do because we're poisoned by technology. Right. <laughs> like, I know we're all addicted, but like, aside from that, like it's almost like once it's almost like a dam breaking. Like once you start following all the just garbage things that are happening, you can't look away. Yeah. Right. And I'm not right. supposed to. So yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's been a really, I, I've been really grateful to work there during this time because I do feel it's given me a sense of purpose during a time sure. where, yeah, everything just feels adrift and on hold and like we're all just sort of waiting for some semblance of normalcy to come back. Yeah. And I think that I would have fallen more deeply into like a rut or of depression if I didn't have something that like I believed in that I get to do every day. For sure. For sure. That's awesome. How does it feel being in a place like Alabama right now? Like, are you just constantly averting your eyes from Trump flags everywhere you drive? (laughs) I boo them. I'm going to get shot. Uh, I am so like, I just have no patience. Yeah. Um, I I just have have no patience for it. I I don't. Is anybody wearing a mask? Um, I, I will say like, I don't like anyone in this world more than I like <laughs> Southern liberals. Yeah. Nice. The best yes. people in the world. So like, yes. while yes, there are the anti-maskers and there are the Trump flags and the Trump boats and the Trump like body tattoos, like yeah. there are so many good people who have to live with those people all the time. You know? <laughs> uh, so like, I don't, I don't want to like, say like oh yeah it's all people not wearing masks like those people are here but like they're also in staten island oh yeah long island oh yeah they're they're around especially they're at our open mics Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's not really uh it's not so much north and south anymore as it is like 
rural versus urban. It really is because I was shocked when I went upstate, when I like first finally emerged from the city to spend a week upstate. Uh, I was shocked at how many Trump flags there were. And I'm like, we are only, I don't know, like an hour and a half north of New York City. How are there so many giant Trump flags here? This is crazy. Same way with like L.A. and Orange County. And I say I say um, urban rural, but I should say urban suburban because a lot of I feel like we really have been brainwashed. Sorry, I'm going to get real deep here. I feel like we've really been brainwashed to think of Trump supporters as like rural backwoods tractor driving when it's not. It's like mid level managers making 75K a year who live in Staten Island. Like it's yeah, it's not like. Most of the houses I have seen that have the Trump flags and like the Tommy Tuberville, who's the football coach who's running for senator against Doug Jones here. Like right. most of the houses I've seen that have that stuff, like they're McMansions. Yes. It's yeah. my Iranian American cousin in her upper middle class suburban Connecticut town. It's so wild. It's like Trump supporters who have been duped. Like, I don't have time for you but I don't wish you ill. Like the suburban Trump supporters who like understand it's bad, but are just like, I don't want to. But it works for me. Tax reasons or husband tax reasons. Oh God. It's just like, I just don't. Yeah. I agree. Well, that's our time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No better time than to switch to the topic that we brought you here to dike out about. And that is, dating your ex which i'm an expert i was so glad that you suggested that because based on things that you've said uh on stage and on twitter i'm so curious about your relationship (laughs) sam we're just here for the tea Uh, yeah we're like i want to know i want to know more what's what's going on you're dating your ex i am um so we were exes by lesbian standards Mm -hmm. um yeah we never actually moved out or anything you know, yeah, like <laughs> textbook. that is definitely lesbian. Uh, we never stopped not moving dating, <laughs> but you know, she is my ex. Uh, but you have broken up. <laughs> we, we um, we like restructure. It's so hard. There's not really words for when you're in like an open situation or something like that, or like poly deals. Like I feel like yeah. our language is very limited. Like what really happened was that our relationship restructured. Yeah. Um, we were like, we were dating in a very traditional manner where we were like each other's primary partner. And then last October, um, we had some tough times and we had some long and hard talks. And basically she decided that like, she did not want to do primary partners anymore. Like she did not want us to plan our lives around each other and that she wanted us to be like, dating other people on like an equal, like just like we were like, we were going to still date and live together and like be friends and like have sex, but we weren't going to like be each other's partner. Mm -hmm. Right. So we did an episode recently with Ashley Ray about solo polyamory. Okay. And we talked a lot about how, yeah, there kind of isn't language uh, around that, but that that's a, a thing where people just don't, want primaries it's like I have this relationship that relationship but I'm always going to be solo to some extent 
Yeah, I um, I got to double check on that, but uh, I don't think that's exactly <laughs> what we're doing. Um, okay. <laughs> we also, you know, we went through a period of like we restructured and then our relationship got healthier and we did start yeah. like planning our futures around each other again and just, you know. Oh, okay. So like we are, but she also has another girlfriend and I also see other people and like, we're not each other's like, like we won't be getting married. Um, yeah. I don't know that either of us want that. I think I could see myself doing it eventually. I don't think she's interested at all in that. Um, but like essentially what we are doing is like every year or two, she's like, you still want to be together? Like, do you still want to live together? And you know, if it's still, yes, we're going to. Yeah. When I saw that you were, when you were tweeting during the breakup and <laughs> I was such a dramatic little bitch. <laughs> I How long ago enjoyed it. And I'm sure I wasn't the only one. <laughs> um, from, from October to like January, my tweets were just chaotic. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, like we know each other a little bit through comedy, but I didn't know you well enough to be, uh, like, Samantha, you need to move out. Like in my mind, I'm like, I, I know it's New York and I know it's uh, really hard. And so many people we know stay together when they break up because New York is just so expensive to live in and you can't just cancel a lease and then to find a new place and pay a broker yeah. fee and all of it's that. It's a huge thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's the, the system is built again. It makes it really hard for you to break up and it makes it really hard for you to live apart in the first place because you can save so much money moving in with someone into one bedroom. The system um, is stacked against lesbians. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. It is in encouraging York, you to stay with your ex. Yeah. It's perpetuating stereotypes uh, actually. And yeah. <laughs> New York's homophobic. Yeah. But I want to be, I want to be like, Move out. I know. I know. <laughs> like, it makes it so a much harder. A lot of people said that. If it helps, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, that's what I figure. I'm like, I'm sure somebody in her life is telling her, but but then also knowing like options are limited, man. Like that's the reality of living in in New York. And then sometimes, you know, I had an ex of mine who uh, was dating somebody, and then they broke up, and they were living in Buffalo. So that's pretty cheap. Like there, there was no, they were sharing the same bed. I'm like, now you're just psychotic. Like we were sharing if, a bed. <laughs> well, but in Buffalo, if you're living in a place that has like multiple sleeping areas and you're not just in like a New York apartment, it's so hard. Uh, it's but, so but hard. It's, yeah. <laughs> I can't, I can't imagine like as soon as, I break up with someone. I'm like, well, I'm moving in with my mom for <laughs> like, or I'm like getting out of the place immediately if I have to like get a hotel. But there's like no way that I'm spending one more night in the same place as you. <laughs> I mean, we just have so much history. Um, yeah, like we started. Yeah, how, how long have you been together? Uh, about ten years. Oh. Damn. Yeah. So, wow. Okay. Like she's like my person, mm -hmm. you know, like, yeah, even I mean, that that's longer than any of my relationships and I've been married twice. So that's longer, <laughs> all of mine combined. <laughs> we just really like each other. That's great. And even when, you know, we've been at points in our lives where like, we're maybe not what's best for each other right now. Like we just kind of, yeah. you know, we've broken up twice over the span of around about, so we've, we've known each other for 10 years. Yeah. Um, 10 and a half years we've known each other and we've been dating for nine. 
on and off. Okay. We have a period. Yeah. We had a period in like 2014 where we broke up. And then uh, late 2019, um, she broke up with me. And then, but like, you know, it's just like, I, I, it's, I wish I had like better words for it. Like she yeah. was like, I want to restructure this relationship to be something else. And honestly, I think it was the best thing in the world for us. Like we were in a place where we were getting really resentful mm-hmm. and yeah. she wasn't expressing her needs. And I wasn't talking about when I was upset about things and we were both just mm. bottling a lot of things up because we just like got into a routine of like, just not telling each other what was going on. And, yeah. and it was a huge wake up call. See, like, that's why I like the word restructuring. <laughs> I like it too. I was going to say that's a pretty great word. I feel like that could save a lot of relationships that aren't over yet. If you approach it that way. Yeah. Like we were like, listen, I don't know that I want to, you know, earlier when like the pandemic hit, like we were having a lot of hard conversations. Like, are we going to stay together? Because at that point we, our relationship was not in the place that it is right now. Um, yeah. Like we are very, you know, we, we fight and we talk and we cry and then we like compromise and make adjustments and we weren't doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and so I think that when like the pandemic hit, we were like, are we going to stick together? Like, what are we going to do? Yeah. And then we just sort of decided to stick together. And now we're kind of trauma bonded yeah. on top of everything else. <laughs> I right. think that's well, really especially relatable. with her dad being sick. <laughs> yeah. For me, for a lot of listeners, I mean, it really forced you to decide if you really wanted to work out a relationship and have a lot yeah. of like, serious conversations, Allie and I broke up for 12 hours <laughs> in May, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, it's so you hard the breaking point and then really had to assess from there. And we are always having hard conversations. Ser- so much communication. It's just, yes, it's changed everything. So yeah, I was curious if the pandemic had a huge hand in it. Like I'm noticing huge. for a lot of people and then especially queer women relationships who are already ready to communicate, you know, to really go there. I mean, I think this pandemic has just accelerated everyone's relationships, whether it was going to end or if you like everyone's getting engaged or divorced. Yeah. Yeah. And it made us like, like we had a hard conversation this morning, you know, like that. I don't think either of us loved, but like, we needed to have because we're trying to move into a new house um, like in Alabama. And we're like trying to figure out like, well, what is our plan? Like, how long are we going to stay here? Am I going to stay here just until I'm remote and then leave? Like what, like, what are we going to do? You know? Yeah. And we kind of have settled in this place that everything is just so uncertain right now Yeah, that you cannot plan for the future. So we're just kind of taking everything like three months at a time. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Are you finding it harder to navigate to being in an open relationship during a pandemic in terms of like meeting and seeing other people? You mean? 
Um, so yeah. we are we are both pretty locked down. We are living yeah. with her father, who's a cancer patient. So we're not really. Yeah, yeah. We're not going out canoodling. Um, right. <laughs> sorry, I'm risks. ninety. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> she has a long distance girlfriend, and they've been long distance. Um, so they chat like. Uh, on the phone or like online, they zoom, you know, they do what all the people are doing. Um, I haven't really been dating. I have a couple of people I have like romantic or sexual relationships with back in New York or wherever that like I am in touch with Mm -hmm. um, and like will talk to and stuff, but I am not actively, I'm not like, I'm not like out patrolling. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) it's like a, historically dry, <laughs> unhorny time right now. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> who's really just thinking about it all the time. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm a sick freak because the pandemic has made me horny. Okay. So you're like, actually, Allie, <laughs> it's the same way. Maybe stress, it's one or the other. Stress makes me. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so neurotic. And for me, my wife has been like in and out of the hospital the whole past month. So the fact that like she's been sick, then I'm like, come on, like all of a sudden I'm like peak horniness. (laughs) (laughs) But it's because it's not available. That's (laughs) every time I touch her, she's like, I'm not feeling sexy, babe. I'm like, no, I know. I know. I'm sorry. I just like miss your body. (laughs) It's just like (laughs) I am like above like more so than like sexual I am just so cuddly like I just need physical touch right now yeah so much more than I ever have yeah 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 but then my sex drive has been shot I don't know I my depression's so bad and it's obviously flared up uh over the last few months and I'm just I can't get it up um but I'm still like really cuddly so I'm sending (laughs) mixed messages (laughs) I can't get it up (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. Were were you and your girlfriend always in a did it start out as an open relationship? So we've we've always been open to an extent. Okay. Um but we've always been very clear about each other being like primary we are planning a life around each other. Partners. Right, right. Um but we've always been like dating like loosely dating others having like sexual relationships with people who are friends like things like that as long as like it didn't get super serious like we were never at a point where we had multiple partners I wouldn't describe us as poly yeah previously but I would describe us as definitely open it's interesting like I was thinking about this topic beforehand and going into it first I was like I have no experience in this and then I'm like wait a minute I definitely have experience in this I like one of my first biggest relationship was like this on again, off again. Yeah, I think it was an almost five-year relationship. I never knew how to save the timing because of the the big gaps that we had uh, in between. And I remember one big thing was that after we broke up the first time and then I got back together with her, I felt like I couldn't talk about the relationship to my friends anymore because they were so against her. So like anytime something yeah. was wrong, I'm like... 
I'm just gonna keep this to myself. They're never gonna know that she's being so mean to me. Uh, I'm just gonna not talk to anybody or else. Gonna- that is something I consider with uh, my friends because I used to do it, and then if I would be back on with someone, I would get a lot of criticism. So now I never. This yeah, I much. don't shit talk to friends. I'll be like, I'm yeah. having an issue and like, here's why it's difficult for me. And like, here's what I'm doing wrong. And here's what she's doing wrong. But I almost never do the like, she's being so mean. Because yeah. then if like, yeah, something yeah. happens. Friends will like, hold on. Right. And then you have to be yeah. like, you know, I only ever really need to vent. And I don't really talk about all the good things. So uh, let me yeah. give you the, like three of those before I delve into this issue I have. <laughs> yeah. But but on the other hand, like I have friends who are like together with the same person now that they had gone through a period where they broke up for a certain amount of time and then got back together. And I remember when they got back together, we were all like, mm, she's making a mistake. But now they're like still together and it's like, oh, no, they definitely didn't make a mistake. They just needed not to be together at that time and then they got back together because they like figured out their shit and now they're a great couple that I love to be around and um yeah, yeah. It, it's just I, but but it's hard as a friend not to want to be protective over your friend because I think we automatically think breakup then it must be no good yeah yeah totally I think like as a society we really need to normalize like taking a break I feel like Ross and Rachel really ruined it for us. <laughs> yeah. See, I was, um, was going to say, I thought the parent trap set a good standard for that. But. Oh, true. True, true, true. Even though it did ruin every child of divorce's life. But sure. It did. Right. <laughs> the false hope. Yes. Were you a child of divorce? I was not, but I was a child oh, okay. of two parents who had been divorced and then met each other. Okay, okay. Like, so my yeah. older brothers were both chi- children of divorce. Yeah. And I just remember watching it with them and feeling awkward. <laughs> <laughs> Being like, you don't want them to and go back with your so mom funny. and dad, right? <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> well, I want to know, what's your anniversary? How do you determine... <laughs> what your anniversary is <laughs> when do you celebrate that oh my god <sighs> um oh god that's so funny like when um, the waiter comes and they're like are you celebrating something special are you two like looking at each other like what do we say <laughs> i i don't know that we do anymore um like t- historically we met in march of 2010 and we started dating in february of 2011 um And I would say that, like, we typically would celebrate in February, but, like, I don't know what, I don't know that we're going to do that. I have no idea. Yeah. Because we were, like, not in a, we were not in the type of place where we would be celebrating an anniversary in, like, this February, this past (laughs) February. So I have to check in on that. Like, are we, do we still? Yeah. Yeah, I remember that was always, like, an awkward thing for for me, too. Like, if we got back together and it was, like, timed around an anniversary, it was like, well, this feels, like, a little bit weird to (laughs) pretend that this is special after what we've been through. Okay, so you guys don't do that every time you go to a restaurant, no matter the occasion? (laughs) No, but it's always my birthday. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I think one of the things that always messed it, up for me uh and I'm sure for for other people is like to be able to get back together with someone that you've broken up with you really have to 
be willing to let go of all the stuff that happened before, like yes. of the past. That is one of the hardest things. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I could never do. I could never, like every time we got in a fight, I would bring up something that happened like two years before. I mean, I do like, that in yeah. my still going relationship, <laughs> like uninterrupted relationship. So I can't imagine <laughs> how hard it would be. Um, to break you up did with- break up for 12 hours. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can't bring up anything before those 12 hours. Melody. <laughs> you shot yourself in the foot there. <laughs> I mean, that's one of the biggest things we had to work on for each other is not thinking of each other as the person that we were two years ago. Yeah. Like when things were probably at their worst, you know, yeah. or, even, yeah, like a year and a half ago, two years ago, like things were pretty rough. And, um, you know, it's it's hard because you get into these patterns and you fall back into them if you're not really careful and you're not like, hey, like I understand that I said X and it made you feel Y, but like I need you to know that like just because in the past like I have done this or I have responded this way, doesn't mean I'm not aware of that now or like doesn't mean that I'm not working on that. Yeah. That's good. Um, yeah, it's, it's fucking hard. What was it like? And I'm sorry if I'm bringing back painful memories, but that time that you were broken up and living together, like, were you still talking about things every day or were you just trying to like exist around each other and not, talk about it to feel sane i feel like i would avoid home a lot no we talked all the time oh man uh we talked so gay i know (laughs) we talked more about our relationship when we broke up than when we were dating interesting yeah yeah like we it was like a relationship after show the pressure's off maybe (laughs) that was exactly it we were just like so what do you think you should have done in april like when that thing happened yeah you're like i don't know i guess in retrospect i probably should have (laughs) hindsight is 2020 (laughs) yeah yeah it's like you're doing replays um yeah (laughs) but like i so when when she first broke up with me i had like a very dramatic night where i was like i need to get the fuck out of here and I stayed at a friend's on, on their couch and, like, didn't really talk to her. Um, and then after, like, two days, I was like, okay, like, I need to shower and get clothes. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to go back. And then, you know, we talked a little bit. And, you know, everything still hurt. Everything still hurt so goddamn much. But, like, oh, I bet. Yeah. But, like, we decided that, like, it was really important to us to maintain, like, an intimate friendship and to like maybe even try to continue dating, but just not in the capacity that we had been. Yeah. So that was, so we had a lot of, we had a lot of hard conversations after she broke up with me in October. Um, we didn't do holidays together. Like we'd done every year. Oh wow. Um, Yeah. We did separate holidays. Um, but like we did a lot of talking over that time about like, are we done or are we restructuring? Like, do we still like each other enough to continue dating, but maybe not as seriously or not as, um, not in a way that is as committed. Yeah. Did your families have a lot of questions about it? Yeah. Like, especially with not, yeah. How do you navigate that? I tried to explain what polyamory was to my mom back in like February. And she told me she wished I'd never moved to New York. <laughs> <laughs> which is just so deeply funny yeah um she's like you're gay and i'm fine with it like i have to learn another thing 
Yeah, this is the new. Uh, my son moved to the city and now he's gay. <laughs> now he's a like city, and now he has seven boyfriends. <laughs> if anything, I would think New York City is the worst city to be polyamorous in because it's like it's just so much harder to have a relationship with someone you don't live with in general. Yeah. That if you're like having to go to, and then everything's so much more expensive. It's like you're going to be poor and have no time for anything if you're polyamorous in New Bear York. City. <laughs> so it's yeah. not the city's fault mom <laughs> um there was one point in 2016 where i was dating um another girl uh, in addition to my girlfriend but at that time my girlfriend was living upstate and i was living in the city and we were like long distance ish like four hours and i was dating a girl who lived in the city so we have actually despite a couple of attempts at like poly-ish things we have never been dating someone in the same city as us and like we've never been dating each other in the same city while dating another person who is also in the same city like her girlfriend right right right. now lives um on the west coast so it's like i don't i don't even know how i would man how we would manage that like i don't i have no idea um because i've never had to yeah, I always wonder about that because it's like if you have a shared home turf, yeah, and you're just constantly having to ask other people if you can crash at their place, or yeah. but then like if you but if you're not home, then you kind of know what's up. I don't know. It's just well, the most important one of the most important things we talked about when we decided that we did want to continue dating, but we wanted to restructure it was moving into a two bedroom. Mm. Yeah, that would help. That's key. Yeah. Um, cause even I had brought girls home who were like into it and then they'd be like, I know you guys still live together, but like, where's your room? <laughs> and I'd be like, <laughs> all right, well, I'll see you later. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you don't want to hook up in the bed that I share with my ex-girlfriend? <laughs> all right. <laughs> fine. Still warm bed. <laughs> I'm not the weird one. <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah. When I was younger, I was always afraid that people didn't take my relationships as seriously because they were with other women. Yeah. And sometimes I think people can view it like once my sister said, explained it to one of her friends as like, oh, it's like just living with your best friend. I'm like, no, it's not just like friends. Uh, that sounds like sex. how we had to be like, introduced to Allie's Southern family for a year. <laughs> I know, I know. It, it's not like it's just like we're buddies and just happen to be gay and like exist together. It's like it's just like a regular relationship. So then I felt like with breaking up, it always felt like, and especially when I got divorced, um, that I'm like, oh, I'm hurting the cause. Like, yeah, that, there's so much stigma wrapped up in it. And like, it sucks that you have to feel that way of like, and you know, mm-hmm. we've, we've talked about marriage before. And like, one thing that my partner's always said is that she will never get divorced because mm. the, like, it just, the idea of going through a divorce just freaks her out too much. And so I think that might even you know, I got to check in, but I think that might even be <laughs> one of the reasons that she is so opposed to getting married. Whereas I, sorry, whereas we've, I do this thing where I say where he is and then she like flicks me and <laughs> it's like, it's where is, and I still can't do it. I cannot, I cannot say where is, um, but whereas I don't think of divorce as a big deal at all. And I'll, I'll get married and divorce like seven times. I want to, 
I want like a Corvette and like a shitty, <laughs> a shitty McMansion and eight ex-wives who fucking hate me. <laughs> After you go through the hard part of it, being divorced is great. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Something chic about it. Nice. Yeah. I think it's just, it's a cool identity. Especially if you're, if you're a comedian uh, and you need something to cling on to. <laughs> Not like divorce is a unique thing in comedy, but I was like, well, now I know what to talk about <laughs> for the next year of my <laughs> yeah. life. I mean, when we broke up, that was all. I shut up about it. Yeah. I mean, you saw my Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I remember being on a show with you last year th- with a set that was like entirely about it. Um yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> I'm in pain and yeah. everyone will know. <laughs> it's so hard, though, because it, as comedians, we process things out loud to strangers. Like, that's what we do. So when something yeah. very personal is happening and for other people, they might look and be like, why are they doing this? Like, even uh, when Lori Kilmartin was live tweeting her mom's death, oh my and God, some people yeah. really couldn't understand it. But every comedian was like, oh, yes, like, I get why you would do this. Process, Lori, process. Yeah. Like- <laughs> we're, we're all like, this is so beautiful. And then other people are being like, this woman is sick. Why is she posting <laughs> this, like, horribly depressing stuff about her mom? I will fight anyone for Laurie Kilmartin. I just adore her. (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, What else? When you guys get back together, do you pick a new song every time? (laughs) No, we don't. We don't really have like we have multiple songs like that. We remind us of times together, but like we don't have like a song. I my ex and I once we had a song and then we got back together and I was like, that can't be the song anymore. <laughs> associated with so many bad things. Cause when you're broken up, you're like, fuck that song and take it off fuck every playlist. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Melody? You guys have a song? According to Allie, our song is songbird. Um, but it's like this song that she loves so much and plays for me and would be like, dance with me. It was just like around the apartment, but it's it's very much <laughs> a song she loves. But I'm going with it. It was weird when um Naya when Naya Vera passed away, everyone was playing that YouTube clip of the song. She sang it for Britney. So um yeah. it's yeah, in recent it's been in the press. <laughs> um I think that's our song. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like Cecilia and I don't have a song and I wonder if it's because we're older. I'm like when you get older, do you is music just like not as much of a thing of Okay, no, that like- is a real thing. I was thinking about this the other day. I used to be so like music's my thing. Like keep up. I don't know, when you get older, you just really stop caring and you just listen to what you held on to during that time, I think. I have a theory that you can only like so many songs. <laughs> yeah. That's a great theory. And so when I you like hit a thousand yeah. or something, you're just like, I'm good. Yeah. yeah. I like blues traveler and I'm fine with that. <laughs> I don't need anything else like, or whatever. Right. Right. Yeah. I just got a car and I was listening to the radio and then there was like a song I'd never heard before. And I really liked it. And I was like, this is a weird sensation. Like this hasn't <laughs> happened in a while where I just hear a song <laughs> and immediately like it. And I'm like, I need to figure out who it's by and listen to it multiple times. Uh, but I love when that happens. But now I have Sirius XM and I'm like nineties on nine every time. Oh <laughs> like, yes. I love nineties on nine. <laughs> Pop rocks. Pop, Pop rocks, rocks is the best. 
Yeah, I actually switched to Pop Rocks because 90s on 9 was like, it was, I, I can only take so much Cypress Hill. And I'm like, <laughs> why is there so much Cypress Hill on night? Like downtown Julie Brown, you got to get over it. <laughs> oh my gosh, all our Gen Z listeners are like, what are they talking about? <laughs> With breakups, and I remember when I got divorced, uh, somebody said to me, you know, the thing is like once you get divorced, the door is always open to it again. Like that's why people who get divorced once and get remarried tend to like the risk of getting divorced again is even higher than the first time because it's like you've already been through it and survived it. So, you know, you could do it again if needed. And then I feel like with a breakup, when you're in a relationship with someone you've broken up with, do you feel like it's this now there's just like this constant threat of like, there's this option it's like the emergency uh, fire alarm is like always present in the room. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we we have talked very frankly about like what happens if the pandemic eases up and I need to stay here with my dad and like you have to go back to full frontal and be not remote. Yeah. Like, are we, do we stay together? Like, are we going to be long distance? Like, I think But I think those are good conversations to have that all couples need to be having. Oh, yeah. Like, so I I, I do think in a good way that getting back together with someone that you have been broken up with or have broken up with, um, I think that it really helps you have hard conversations without fear. Yeah. Because the worst thing that can happen is what already happened. Right. The biggest thing is really that not getting mad about things in the past and going into it with a new mindset. And then you can have those conversations and, and move forward. But if you get back together and you're still holding on to past wrongs, then yeah. it's, it's, it'll kill you. It, it will. You yeah. Can't. Yeah. You just got to you have to like you have to forgive like anything that you are mad about and then you have to. Like, you have to understand that in return, all the shitty things that you have said are also, like, being worked on yeah. to be forgiven. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, like sure, you're extending grace and, like, forgiveness for things that you might resent or that you might have made you feel bad. But also, like, you're being given that as well. Yeah. Right. Um, speaking of working on have you been in therapy or do you talk about couples therapy or do you Mm, have either of you done like individual therapy um we did couples therapy back in 2017 when we hit uh we hit a rough patch and we did it then and um we thought it was ultimately helpful but we really didn't have a therapist that we clicked with. yeah yeah um so we ultimately stopped and then um right now i am in therapy uh, she is not in therapy, but is looking into it. Um, cause she's, she's going through a lot, yeah. and, you know? Damn. Yeah. So I am in therapy. She's not in therapy. We are not in couples therapy. Um, we just talk a lot. Um, and I am open to doing couples therapy when the world is less, uh, remote. Yeah. Um, I don't think I would want to do couples teletherapy. That's mm. where I'm at too. When we broke up for 12 hours, uh, we decided we needed therapy, but I, I just, I really don't, I need the third party to be in the room. Like yeah, I can't, it feels hard. like it wouldn't be as effective if we're just sitting and 
close the laptop and we're back so immediately to like the reality. Yeah, I think relationship. I think like uh, remote teletherapy has been very useful to me. Yeah. But I I could see remote couples teletherapy being like too much. Yeah, same. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. I don't know that I could do it. Um, I am definitely open to doing couples therapy again. Um, But also a lot of couples therapy is just forcing you to talk. Yeah, it seems like you guys are which we doing well on that. Yeah, we God, we have hard conversations every day. Yeah. <laughs> like that was something my wife and I went to couples therapy not for any problem, but just because we're talking about starting a family. So we're like, hey, let's yeah. like, find a therapist now when things are good and build that relationship so that when things do get stressful, when we have kids, That's smart. we have somebody so smart. who knows us and that we can talk to and who has seen us when we're doing well <laughs> and yeah. yeah but then that's so smart god that's what we thought but then we went twice and we're like well that was a waste of time and money uh because we we communicate so well between the two of us that whenever we would talk about things it was like well these are conversations we've already had and we're having them now in front <laughs> of another person and it just at are you just rehashing i, I guess it was kind of like rehashing but like stuff because it, it wasn't like there was anything we were fighting about. It was just like telling her the conversations we have among us and just like filling a stranger in on like, yeah, these are the things on our mind and we talk through it and we're feeling good about it. So, yeah, so, just a lot of relay. Yeah. Why are you here? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it, it almost felt like she was like, I don't know why you guys are, are here. Like she took a really long time to answer our emails about scheduling future sessions. And we're like, yeah, I think she's just letting us know we don't need this. right now." <laughs> <laughs> I really wish that we had stayed in couples therapy and that we had, or not that we had stayed with that woman, but I wish that we had found a different couples therapist and then stuck with it. Yeah. Because I think, yeah. I think there's a chance that, the last three years would have been very different. Um, if when the first sign of trouble popped up, we hadn't been like, I think we're good. Yeah. After a few. Yeah. We, we did it Should for like, like a more month. vocabulary. Yeah. We, we did it for like a month or two and we were like, I think we're good. Yeah. And we weren't, <laughs> you know, um, I was also, I was going through some mental health stuff. That was so bad. Like I, um, now I know what was up. I got diagnosed with obsessive compulsive disorder. Oh, wow. Um, but I didn't know. And I was like having this really crazy obsessive thoughts. I I didn't know what was going on. And I would feel like so stressed unless I like did things that didn't seem relevant. Right. Uh, yeah. And I was just so stressed all the time. And I had gone off medication because um, I didn't feel like it was working for me. And I did not consult my partner, which is like fuck me, you know, like what is wrong with me? Um, but then over the next three years, like things just kind of like, we had good times. Like we had good periods. Don't get me wrong. Sure. But every bad period was worse than the last one. Right. Right. Yeah. So I guess wrapping up on this topic, do you have any advice for our listeners who might want to restructure their relationship? Just, Mm. you have to talk about things that suck you can't just not talk about them because they suck yeah you just gotta talk about it 
even if it go makes, there. Yeah, you got to go there. You got to you got to talk about things you don't want to talk about and you have to give yourself space to allow the other person to grow. And I think probably being honest too can be really hard, especially like with somebody you love to be like really honest about what you're going through because you don't want to hurt them. Yeah. I think it's hard for a lot of people or at least in situations in, in my past, I know that there have been times where I know the other person wasn't being honest with me about what they wanted. And then there were times in the past when I wasn't being honest about what I wanted and totally it it can't work if you're not on the same page yeah yeah you gotta be like you can't like it's one thing to make compromises sure but like if you have a something that you feel is a need or like even a want that's important like even if it's not something that winds up being met or you agree that like x works better like you should mm-hmm. still vocalize it. Yeah. And like you have to let the other person know how you feel about things because if you don't just resentment builds and it's just what kills, it, it kills a friendship and a relationship. I also feel like yeah. as women, we can be so like in tune with the other person that you can always sense if something's off and if they're not saying it, yeah, you just yeah, feel insane. Totally. <laughs> You feel, you're like, why is everything vaguely dissatisfying? Yeah. <laughs> Where can people follow you on social media? Oh, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Samly Matters, S-A-M-L-Y Matters. Great. And then dig into those archives and uh, read the breakup tweets. <laughs> oh, yeah. Go back to January 2020 if you want to see some real deranged shit and then just see from the like evolution. October 2019 to January 2020 yes uh, <laughs> thank you so much Sam for diking out thank you Sam thank you guys it's so fun I do wish Sam and her partner the best I for one can say I definitely will not be dating any of my exes Yes, we. one could say you'd vowed to not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I made a kind of a big commitment to make sure that that's <laughs> no longer on the menu for me. So, uh, but it's good to know what other people are going through and what it's like out there. And speaking of commitment, I think we have a listener question. Yes, we have a listener question with a similar theme. This week's listener question. My fiance has been procrastinating and putting off planning our wedding. She's very happy just being in the moment and never has liked planning things out. However, she's very keen on having an eight course meal because her family all works in the food industry. We are paying for our own wedding. So I know the logistics of paying for this experience will be expensive. I don't know if she actually is avoiding planning our wedding because she thinks it's going to be expensive. All I want is for it to be on paper that we're married. God forbid in this COVID time, we need to make medical decisions for each other. What's a woman to do? Well, first Uh, off, don't have an eight course meal at your wedding. So much of that food's going to be thrown out. Let me tell you, I've been to plenty of, not plenty, but I've been to some Long Island weddings where they have (laughs) eight course meals and it's, it's too much food, honestly. And I will fight anybody on this, but I've never been to a wedding with uh, an eight course meal where people are like, great, that was the right amount of food. 
No. <laughs> the best thing you can do is stations or buffet. As someone who's yeah. been married twice, uh, granted the <laughs> second time I, I eloped, but let, let people get as much food as they're going to eat and mm-hmm. don't have a... If you elope... Get an eight-course meal. Yeah, if you'll lope, eight-course meal for sure, if it's just going to be the two of you. Uh, and you can plan for it accordingly. Other than that, it's a big waste of time and food. You're spending the entire reception of everybody sitting down, and then everybody feels too full to dance. And that's the fun part. Yeah, I didn't even consider that. It's a huge time suck, and you're paying a lot of money by the hour for those venues. Yeah, I remember once I went to a wedding, and I know that this isn't really the core problem here, but just in case you need... <laughs> so you have two Capricorns <laughs> attaching it from this <laughs> logistics side, and yeah, it's not going to yeah. work. <laughs> yeah, that's the first thing that, that jumps out. Let me tell you, by the time we finished our dinner at this wedding, I swear it was like 11.30 p.m., and I I was so tired. And then by the time everyone like finally digested enough to get dancing, the wedding was technically over. So then they had to pay this huge overtime charge and pay the the DJ to stay for extra time uh, because the party, like everyone got their second wind like four hours after the second course. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I've never been to one with that many courses and I loved the buffet kind of option ones I've been to. Every wedding I've been to, the buffet, uh, other than like a small wedding that has like a tasteful entree setup, but like any big wedding with with plated entrees that you pick ahead of time, the food is is never great. Buffet or stations, always good food. You can always find something you want there. Yeah. Always more appealing, even though I've had some very fine dishes at the predetermined, like, course, kind of. It definitely depends on on the place. But yeah. Now, for some more practical advice, I think that you need to have a very honest conversation with your fiance and confront her with this. This is all very reasonable. And to say, I feel like you're stalling on our wedding planning and I want to know why is it because you're worried about the expense is it because there's something that's making you nervous about committing I only I don't care about the logistics um or the the food at the wedding I care about having our marriage be official and this is why and Maybe ask her if she would be open to doing a city hall wedding just to have it be official. And then you can plan a, a celebration later. Because obviously, like in COVID times, who who's having a wedding with an eight-person thing anyway? So I would say, yeah. you know, if if there's not something else at play, and I hope there's not, and I hope it's like um, our episode with Tao Gwen, how she was just kind of not really into planning and stalling and stressed out and all these things and just kind of needed someone to, to shake her (laughs) or something to, you know, get her to take action on it. So, uh, figure out (laughs) what that is, but yeah, in, in these times and for probably the next year, big weddings aren't, uh, a great idea. And if you really want to probably not buffets. (laughs) Oh yeah. That's a good point too. (laughs) I just realized probably not buffets right now. Mm, Hold off on that. (laughs) 
Yes, this is advice that's only good uh, not during a pandemic. I, I have yet to have a wedding during a pandemic, but once I do, I'll let you know. Just kidding. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, if if you are both really excited and you definitely want to get married and there aren't any other issues here that are uh, manifesting themselves in this wedding planning dilemma, then go to a courthouse and get married. Yes. We talked a lot about having real honest conversations in this very interview. Yes. In this episode. And this sounds like a real sit down and figure things out. Maybe you need to restructure the conversation around your wedding. Yes. We need to rebrand. <laughs> I love restructuring. Restructuring. What a great term. Yeah. Thanks, Sam. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Sometimes things aren't broken. They just need some restructuring. Mm-hmm. Love it. Well, thank you for writing in and best of luck to you. Let us know. I would love a follow-up on this one to certain questions. Yeah. Love a follow-up. So thank you. I also especially love the follow-ups that are like, I took your advice and now I'm dating this woman and I'm so happy and I'm so in love. And here's a picture of the two of us looking super cute and gay together. Yeah, and we have gotten those, and those are... The best. Just, yeah. Yeah. Some light in our inbox. So far, we've only gotten one that was like, you shouldn't have bothered answering my question if that's how you were going to answer it. I'm like, okay. Oh. (laughs) But overall, I would say our batting average is pretty great on these. So why not send on in a question to dykingout at gmail.com and we will answer that. If you're a patron, your question goes to the top of the pile and you can DM us over Patreon or just let us know in the email that you are a patron. And if you have a very detailed question or want a more private exclusive answer in video format you can go to w-i-s-i-o that's wizio.com slash diking out and submit a question there and we will answer it you can follow us on diking out we are getting dangerously close to 10,000 followers on instagram which start stretching carolyn you know what that means melanie i tried working out and three minutes in i got winded uh these these <laughs> lingering covid no <laughs> symptoms it's i it's, i hope there's a tiktok dance that doesn't get your cardio going yeah yeah we got it guys we got to get to 10k followers on instagram fast so we can do this Insta- this tiktok dance for you fast because you know i want to get that in before i may inevitably get hit with the second wave um so <laughs> so follow us at diking out (laughs) and if it happens before october 19th then you'll be able to swipe up for tickets to our show could you imagine that's my goal oh my god i think i would cry i'm getting emotional just thinking about it (laughs) uh you can also like us on facebook uh at diking out tiktok you know Get in before we start flooding you with sweet sapphic dance moves. See this at Diking Out Pod, and if you know who took at Diking Out on TikTok, uh, out please snitch. Yeah, <laughs> the only time it's okay to snitch. You can follow me at TGI Carolyn. You can follow me at Melody Kamali. 
Thank you so much for diking out with us this week, all the weeks, next week, and be kind to one another. Mm-hmm. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics. And sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.